0: Good morning, my admin. Welcome. My name is Eric Hoffman, one of the executive pastors here at Fellowship. And normally I'm at a Franklin campus on Sunday mornings. We have the honor and privilege to be with you all this morning. And since the last time I was here, I see that you guys added guardrails for Lloyd up here so he doesn't fall off, which is really nice of you guys to do. Really grateful for that. Um, But this morning, uh, excited to be able to talk about uh, an area that I help give leadership to is in your world. And so when we talk about the discipleship pathway, it's how we help you all find wholehearted life in Jesus. And so I'm going to put this up here for a second. This is... Your church, so we gather weekly in your church and in your group and community, and then daily the rhythms of your walk, personal responsibility of your walk with Jesus, helping you grow in there, and then your world where we live, work, and play into the ends of the earth. And so this morning, I want to unpack a little bit about what we've been doing and talking about and shaping uh, your world and in this season and what God is doing, and we're going to be able to hear for that and to be able to set up global Christmas as we step in as a church and say less under our tree equals more for the world uh, and how we can be a part of that. So this morning, we're going to be setting up a little bit of that as well. Well, in this season, one of the questions that's been uh, asked asked of me a lot recently is, is how do you think COVID uh, will change the church uh, in the future? Like, how do you think it's shaping and changing the church? And And my answer, you know, after thinking about that for a while, my answer is, you know, short and very overly simplistic. And And I say this, in some ways, not much. And in some ways, I hope forever. Does that help? Is that clear? Uh, let me unpack that just a little bit. In in some ways, I don't think it's going to change much at all. I th- you know, as you look back at uh, world history and, and different pandemics and different things that have happened, major world events, you know, there's, there's a season where something happens, but then it does revert back into normal rhythms. Like you will, you, you start to see that. But the, the second part of that is like, you know, I, I do think there are some people that culturally came to church and now they're out of the rhythm of that. And, you know, that's, that is kind of just something they did. And I, I think that will shift. I, I don't know that they'll necessarily come back. I think they've probably gotten used to not having that as their rhythm. But let me get to the second part. What, what I hope actually changes the church for forever. One of the things is that I hope it actually shifts our mentality to rather than just... Uh, saying, hey, world come to us to hear the good news of Jesus. I hope it changes that the church actually recognizes that the gathering together of God's people is so important because we we sit under his rule and authority together as a family of faith, but then we're scattered into the world to actually spread the good news of Jesus and bring hope to the hopelessness that we see, the brokenness. To bring wholeness in Jesus to those areas. I hope that the church actually starts to make that shift to equipping uh, you all as the saints, as as the God's people, to actually reach out to those places where we live, work, and play. So, in those ways, I hope that we are are noticing our neighbors more, we're noticing our co-workers more, we're noticing our families more, that those rhythms actually start to shift our thinking, that we actually are the sent ones out into the world. And that's what I want to be talking about today is, is as we reach Reorient around that, one of the things is I want to look at is what is the mission that Jesus gave his followers to live out in the world? And so we're going to be looking at the, uh, the Great Commission today in Matthew 28. So if you have your Bibles, so you can turn to Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20. And we're gonna reorient a real, a, what we're doing in your world and what we wanna be about in this area around what Jesus gave his followers. So if you'll stand with me, we're gonna read this text this morning together, God's word for us today. Will you read with me? And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. You can have a seat. So in our, in our mini series that we did on citizens of, of the kingdom of God, as we looked at what Jesus was calling us to in the Sermon on the Mount is actually to live out his kingdom values, to follow him and actually live out what he is saying in, in the right side up or upside down kingdom that he is calling us to live. One of the things that stood out to me that I really haven't noticed, and I've, I've heard the Great Commission, uh, that's what that's referring to in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, hundreds of times over the course of my life. But never have I focused on that first phrase of what Jesus is saying to his followers until the kingdom series. When we looked at the kingdom throughout the course of the narrative of the scriptures of what what was happening there. And what Jesus says in verse 18, I just want to call your attention to it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, most of my focus has been on the second part of the Great Commission, but the first part is actually super important to think about of the authority of heaven and earth given to Jesus. And then he says, and therefore now go. So in light of that first statement, there's something in that first statement that we're, in order to zoom in on, in order to unpack what the, the following is actually uh, charging us to do. So let's throw up that, that um, image of the kingdom series that we did. And I want to just point out a few things. This is looking at uh, the kingdom throughout the biblical narrative, the biblical story, the arc of the storyline of scripture. And so you look at it and you see in Genesis 1 and 2, there's those two circles the blue circle and the green circle, heaven and earth. And that's God's people in God's place, under God's rule, enjoying God's blessings. So in Genesis, you had God's people living in in heaven and earth were overlapped. There wasn't a separation. God was dwelling with them. They were enjoying his rule and his creation. There wasn't a separation in Genesis. But in the fall, those two separated, heaven and earth separated. And then you see that what Jesus did when he inaugurated the kingdom and the cross, you actually see that those circles where they're actually starting to come back together again. In Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, he actually made it possible for us to have access to the Father again. And you see that the, the heaven is now invading earth. There's an overlap again, not fully overlapped like it was in Genesis, but there's this overlap where the church, we are God's people we are His, under His rule, and we are enjoying God's blessing. And so as the church and as followers of Jesus, we're actually helping the kingdom of heaven invade this earth. to have access point to this. We're strengthening that tie. And then our hope, which is so perfect for us to be talking about in this season, Advent season, our hope is His coming again, which will do What? It will bring heaven and earth back together fully again. We will dwell on the new earth with God as his people under his rule, under his authority, enjoying his good creation. We will actually see that come back together. So it wasn't until I actually saw this laid out in the Kingdom series where I was just like, wow, the Great Commission, when Jesus is talking about... He he has authority in heaven and earth and that his followers are actually part of that work of seeing the overlapping come into place of calling people into relationship with the father once again, that we're actually strengthening that tie from heaven to be able to be experienced on this earth. One day will be fully realized. Now, not yet. But fully realized one day when it's consummated, when he comes again, it will be complete, full, together, forever in that way. And so when I, when I look at the great commission, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus, now because of that, Because of that, in light of that, we are his followers. We are his children through faith in Jesus that we are actually now called to live out his kingdom values here, pointing people to what one day will be a full reality, that we are actually pointing to the hope that we have that one day will be fully realized when heaven and earth join back together again and we live on the new earth with God. So when I, when I look at that, what, what, is, what is Jesus calling us to? the invitation to be part of jesus 's kingdom, to be His followers and through baptism identified with him as His children, and then be calling and inviting all peoples and all nations to know who He is. We participate in the co-rule and the co-reign of what God is doing. We participate in the redemption of his people and and calling them back to who God is and to experience who Jesus is. We call them to the good news and the hope that we have in Jesus. That's what his followers are being called to. That's what we're being called to. One of the things that this invitation calls us to is an invitation of great hope of what's going to happen. So in light of what will one day be, how do we live as his followers in this world? And that's what that whole kingdom series was about. So if you missed those three weeks that we just wrapped up, I would encourage you to go back online and listen to those or watch those services and really see that what God is calling us to live as citizens of his kingdom. That's what he's calling us to express and to live out. Now it's easy for all of us, I mean, in this time, to get, um, to get fearful. It's easy for all of us to lose hope, to doubt. I mean, there's been plenty of times where in this season where I've doubted like, what, what's going on? You know, how long will this last? It's the uncertainty of it that can weigh on us all. And one of the things that I've noticed in myself and in others is like, we see what's happening in our world. We see what's happening in our country. And we can spend a lot of our thought life, a lot of our emotional energy, some of our desires, and even our action to try to say, okay, I don't want what's happening. You know, how do I control this? How do I limit what's going on? And our focus can be on what we're gonna do to try to, to, try to change things or try to bring in those. Matthew 28 calls us to what we should be focusing on how do we actually make an impact? How do we actually see the influence of Jesus' kingdom go out into all the earth? It's through making disciples. By being a disciple of Jesus and by making disciples of Jesus. That's what he calls his followers to live out, to bring the kingdom of heaven, those values of his kingdom into their world as they follow Jesus that they're calling other people people to do that. So, As we're finding life in Jesus, we're inviting others to find life in Jesus. Now, one of the things that um, this call comes up for for me and and for for many of us is, well, yeah, Eric, I've heard the Great Commission many times. Like, I, I need to be going out and I need to go and make a disciple. The question, though, isn't so much I know that I'm supposed to be doing that. The real question is, is how do I do that? how do I participate in this? Like, what does it mean for me to go and make a disciple? That's the question that I want to talk about today. I want to just visit a little bit about what a disciple is. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, in that day and age, when Jesus was, was calling his disciples, it was very common for rabbis, the teachers, to have students. So students were, of the rabbis were called disciples. And their whole goal was to learn who the rabbi was and follow his every move so that they could become like the rabbis. So when we hear the word disciple, I want you to think about this, that we're an apprentice, a student of Jesus. Not many times do I think about my life, my daily life, that I'm actually apprenticing Jesus. But that's what, that's what a disciple of Jesus is. We're apprenticing Jesus. We follow him so we can become like him. We're seeing his values, what shapes him, what, what is, he, what is he, uh, important to him should be important to us. We're actually orienting our lives around Jesus. So when we wake up in the morning, who do we center our lives on? Jesus. That we, that we would come to him as, as the rabbi, the teacher, to teach us how to live, how to live in this world, in his kingdom. So to become like Jesus, we orient our lives around him. That means shifting our values. That means shifting our lives. So what, how we spend our time, what we dwell on, what we think about, uh, how, we, how we live our life is all shaped by who Jesus is. So for us to become a disciple of Jesus, we're recognizing that he is the way, he is the way that we live. He is the truth and that he is the life and we follow after him. Now, one of the things uh, as, as an apprentice as Jesus, like what he's calling us to is, is the commands that he's called us to follow that we would actually teach others to follow or apprentice us for him or follow their life in him and follow after him. One of the things though that I I find so striking is every year I've asked the same question to a group of guys that I walk with every year, about 20 guys. And I asked this, I asked the same question every single year. And the question is this, how many of you were actively and intentionally discipled by somebody else? Now, mind you, 80% of these guys grew up in a Christian home. Went to, went to church all of their lives, were in youth group and, and all these things. And I asked this question, how many of you were actively discipled by someone else? That is shown what it, what it means to follow Jesus and to, to, to read the Bible, like how to do that and how to develop a prayer life and, and what, that, what that looks like to have a daily walk with God. And out of, out of those 20, this hasn't failed, every single year, only one or two hands will come up that they were actively discipled by someone else. And see, I think that's the problem. So we can talk about the Great Commission that say, hey, we need to go into the world. We need to make disciples. As we're, as we're discipled by Jesus, we're making disciples. We can talk about that. But the thing is, is that many of us were not shown what it actually means to be a disciple. Many of us weren't discipled ourselves. So when I, when I go up here and say, hey, all right, guys, go and make disciples, many of you are like, well, I don't really know what that would look like. So let me just paint a scenario for you. Your neighbor comes over and says, hey, I know you're a Christian. I know you go to church. Could you tell me about the good news of Jesus? Can you tell me about the gospel? Like, how do I start a relationship? Like, they give you a softball, right? And then you, you like, they come to faith at your doorstep or in, 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 at your dinner din- ta- table or whatever. And the thing is, is the next question is, is how then are you going to help them grow? Now, if I asked you this question, like, what would you do in that scenario? Like, how would you disciple that person? Many of us would be like, well, I don't know, maybe I'd go find like a book or we'd like just pick up the Bible and just start reading it together. Like we don't really, like many of us wouldn't have a lot of confidence, right, of how we would help that person grow, how we would disciple them. Well, of course you wouldn't because you weren't discipled yourself. So if you weren't shown like how to walk someone through like a process or or have tools or or a system in place to do that, how would you live this out? You wouldn't have great confidence to be able to live out the great commission and to disciple somebody else if you'd never been discipled yourself. So that was one of the the great things when we were talking about when we came up with the discipleship pathway of how to help people find wholehearted life. One of the biggest questions about your world that I really wanted to unpack was like, how do we equip the church to be sent into the world to actually go and make disciples? Well, one of the things that we needed was a process for you all to have confidence that you could actually walk somebody through a process to help them grow and follow Jesus in their daily life. So one of the things that um, quarantine actually was, it, is a, a blessing in many ways is it slowed all of my regular meetings down in the first part when we were all kind of in lockdown together. It slowed all of my our meetings down and I Uh, along with the team, started working on a a curriculum, a process to be able to start developing something, a way for us as a church to be able to grow as a disciple of Jesus and then have tools and resources to be able to disciple somebody else. So I want to show you uh, just the cover of of what we wrote this book called Wholehearted Field Guide. It's these essential tools to help you find life with God and help others too. And so we're beta testing it right now. We have, the, we have it completed. It's designed. It's printed. And one of the things that we're doing right now is, is, is having a group of people walk through it. And here's, here's the premise of the book. One of the things that we, um, we discover is that I don't think a lot of us have great uh, rhythms and, and methods or would say that our daily life with God is vibrant and active. And one of the things we wanted to equip the churches is tools and resources for you all to be able to have a daily time with God where you're engaging the Bible prayer gratitude with your whole heart with God every single day. And so th- this book kind of walks you through a process to be able to develop these tools and resources to develop a daily rhythm for you to be able to walk through as you walk through the book of John through the, through the first part of the book. The second thing is, is like what we discovered is that if you have these tools and resources and are confident about how you are developing as a disciple of Jesus, then you're just gonna take those same tools and resources and be able to walk alongside somebody else. So let's go back to that scenario. Your coworker or your neighbor comes to faith. Our our hope is, is that as you are growing as a disciple of Jesus in your daily walk with God, using these tools and resources, that you'll be able to then just order another copy of that and say, hey, I've got a process to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus. And you just start walking them through the same process that you are growing in finding life with God. Because I think that's where you have confidence. If you are finding life with God and, and have these tools and resources and you've been using them regularly, then they're reproducible in somebody else's life. And then you can start walking somebody else through that. And so we're beta testing that right now. Our hope is to have this published uh, in the, in the mid, mid of spring and to be able to start uh, helping you to be able to utilize this where you live, work, and play. To help you grow as an apprentice, a follower, a student of Jesus in your daily life, and then to be able to help others find wholehearted life as well, to live out our mission as a church, but also our mission that Jesus has given us. And so that's one of the things that we're really excited about, to be able to uh, start leaning into this, of how God is shaping us as a church to move into, as an equipping church, to equip you all to be able to live out our mission where you live, work, and play. That's the part of your world of you and and me taking personal responsibility to take the gospel where we live, work, and play into the ends of the earth. So that's us as individuals, how we live out the Great Commission. One of the other ways we do is collectively as a church, that we collectively come alongside local and global partners. And so Susan Hicks is going to come back up and, and walk us through a little bit about what's what has been shaping in this area of your world collectively uh, as, as we partner with local partners here and uh, global partners around the world. So welcome back up, Susan. Thank you. Um, Susan, one of the things that um, we'd, love, we'd love for you to share is just one of the things we've been thinking about as a church is we have seen so much success with our global partners in how we do global outreach. And one of the things I loved when I, when I came on staff here uh, over 10 years ago, one of the things I loved is how we partnered with these global partners around the world, these local indigenous leaders who are doing such great work. Mm-hmm. And so I want to just, uh, just have you talk about how um, global has helped shape what we do locally and some of these pillars of mm-hmm. what we've uh, been doing uh, locally, uh, well, globally, that now will be helping shaping local. Yeah,
1: yeah so as you mentioned, we, we realize that our global outreach, our partnership with the 12 indigenous um, leaders around the world has been successful. Uh, not just successful in, in helping them, but successful in that so many of you are very familiar with it and have taken part in it in one way or another. And so we wanted to see what, what is one of the things that has made that successful. And we, we saw that it was really based on relationship. It's our relationship with those 12 partners. It's your relationship, your individual relationships with the partners as well as the individuals that they are ministering to in their community. We saw that you know, change, changed lives, transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Mm -hmm. It happens within relationships. And so it further impacted that desire of ours to build local partners, just like we had globally, that would help us develop relationship. And so we we started looking to see, okay, how can we partner with, with organizations, with churches here locally, that we can, just like globally, have relationship with those leaders but also have relationship with the communities that they serve, that we can, on an ongoing, long-term basis, be in relationship with them. The other thing that we realized with Global, that's a given, is that we end up interacting with individuals that are not like ourselves. I mean, that's, that's kind of obvious when they're from a different country, they come from a, a different heritage, and there's, a, there's an importance in that that we wanted to find here locally as well we have within our own backyard a very diverse community. And so we wanted to also pick local organizations that would provide that diverse relationship for us. Again, as we serve them to benefit the community that they're taking care of and serving, but also Anytime we get to be involved with a diverse person, somebody from a different background, we get to see a different aspect of God. Mm. And so we wanted to make sure that our partnerships reflected both of those, relationship and diversity. And so we've decided to partner with four organizations in our church. Um, We are partnering with Barefoot Republic. Um, Many of you may have seen the video that was shown last week. Um, Fantastic organization that really involves diverse young individuals in camps. Um, We're partnering with All Nations Soccer, uh, led by Paul Campanis. It happens on Thursday nights right here on our campus, where internationals come and play soccer and get to be involved and rub shoulders with believers. Partnering with New Hope Academy, located in uh, Williamson County, again, affecting and educating uh, diverse students. And then finally with El Shaddai Christian Church located in North Williamson County. Uh, all of these will give us opportunity. Is what we're hoping and praying for, opportunity for relationship with individuals that we wouldn't normally run into on a day in and day out basis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. And that, I mean, it's exciting just to see what has happened globally to start impacting what we do locally as well. Yeah. One of the things, I mean, COVID has not only changed how we do ministry and, and church and all those things, but it's changed local and global partners. And one of the things that you've been sharing with our staff is just some of the stories of how uh, it's changed their approach. But it altered their plans, but then God takes what they had planned and does immeasurably more. Yeah. And so I would love for you to share one of those stories from um, our partner with, with El Shaddai and what God's yeah. been doing there.
1: Yeah, so... Um, earlier in the year, when we started seeing and hearing the impact of COVID around the world, one of our uh, members, Amy Johnston, came to me and said, Susan, I realize that this is COVID is affecting um, our partners around the world, but what about our partners here locally? What about El Shaddai and their members? How are they being impacted? And is fellowship doing something, or can we do something to help them? And so I started conversations with Pastor Herman, asking him, how is it affecting his community, his members? And he said, really, the hardest uh, impact for them had been in the fact that many of them could not continue going to their jobs and therefore didn't have the finances to buy food um, for their families. And was there a way that we could help with that? So we started thinking about, okay, can we can we get one of those big food bank trucks that would come out to their church building and and take care of their members that way and kept running into roadblocks and uh, and just time wasn't working out for us. At that same time, I was having a conversation with Eddie Sanders over at the Morningstar Bank food bank there in um, East Nashville and asking him how things were going for him. And in that conversation, I learned that they have a contract or a relationship with Second Harvest and can receive food twice a month from Second Harvest to serve the community. And he was only using one of those two times. And I said, well, is there an opportunity or a possibility that Al Shaddai members could come to you here in East Nashville and receive that food? And he said, definitely. And so April, we started the first um, drive-through joint food drive Where Pastor Herman communicated to his members, let them know the date and the time, had their cars lined up around the block as well as the Morningstar community cars, told them to pop their trunks, drive through, and we loaded boxes and bags of food um, into their vehicles. It was a great success. About 150 different families combined from that community, from the East Nashville community and the El Shaddai community, received food that day. Pastor Herman said, you know, this is going to be an ongoing need. Um, Our members are still not able to work on a continual basis. And so can we continue doing this? And Eddie said, definitely. And so now every third Monday of the month, Fellowship members, some of you, I recognize your faces, and um, maybe some of you online joined us. And if you did, thank you for coming out to serve. Uh, Fellowship members, Al Shaddai members, we've even had some community um, police officers come out and serve as well. Then the joint diversity that has just organically happened Mm -hmm. there, uh, volunteers coming to serve, um, people they don't know has been beautiful. What's been uh, surprising and shocking is to watch how God has brought people to be served. So in September, I was standing there with Eddie, and we were looking at the food boxes, and he glanced up and looked around at the cars that were lined up. And he said, Susan, we have a problem. And I said, what is it? And he said, there are not enough food boxes here for the number of cars that are lined up around the neighborhood so eddie gets a count each month from pastor herman and knows exactly how many members are going to come to receive food he has a good idea for the east nashville area how many are coming and he orders that amount of food and it was not enough this month and i said what happened and he said i don't know so we scrambled in the food bank um, pulled whatever we could find there were some people that got a lot of cornflakes and spaghetti sauce that day.
0: <laughs> That's about what we
1: had left. Um, we're able to give everybody that was in line some food. Once all the cars had cleared out, we were standing there talking, trying to figure out where, where did the numbers get missed? Where, why didn't we have enough food? And About that time, Pastor Herman came up from across the parking lot, and he said, guys, do you know what happened? And we said, no. And he said, there's a Latino reporter who um, has a huge Facebook Live following. And she had heard about the day, about the food drive, had come out and done a Facebook Live report for the entire session and said, hey, if you need food, come out today. (laughs) And so we realized quickly that the majority or a lot of those cars there toward the end were individuals that had seen her Facebook Live post and had come out to receive food. Now, what I was thinking and what I hope I didn't actually audibly say was, uh, that's not how we planned for this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have enough food for that. Pastor Herman saw my face and he said, no, you don't understand. Because of her posting and because of these people coming, he said, 36 Latino families that have never had anything to do with El Shaddai, that we didn't know anything about, came today to receive food. We were able to get their contact information and therefore 147 family members that we would have never known, we're now gonna to go to their home and share the gospel with them. Mm. All because a Latino reporter came and did a Facebook Live event that we hadn't planned. Um, she's continued to do that each month and because of that Pastor Herman has given out 300 Bibles to individuals that have never stepped foot in El Shaddai Christian Church people that they would never have had the opportunity to share the gospel with Mm.
0: um,
1: because of God's plans
0: yeah it's so cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, just to, like what we would, would interpret as like, oh, you're interrupting our plans. <laughs> God just like takes and just says, oh, no, I'm doing, I'm doing that work here. Exactly. And, um, you shared a story with, uh, with us and, and the staff and about what happened in Croatia. It's so similar to that. Again, mm-hmm. we made a plan, and then God did something just beyond yeah. uh, what we could have ever planned. So share the story of Darko and, yeah. and what, what happened there.
1: Yeah, so Darko is our global partner in Croatia, Um, He and Dave Bechtel, who is our Fellowship member, country champion for Croatia, we were talking uh, last year about a festival that he wanted to put on there in Slavonsky Road, where the church is. Uh, Started planning what would it look like, and Darko said, hey, would Fellowship partner with us in this effort to bring hope to the city through a message um, of hope? And we said, definitely. And so we started planning the finances, Um, Dave started talking to members. Maybe some of you um, received a phone call from him saying, hey, you can play an instrument and they need somebody to play instruments over there. You have technical knowledge. They need people uh, to provide technical support. Would you think about coming over and taking a mission trip to Croatia for this event? They uh, continued to plan and, and talk it through. And then as it got more evident that COVID was something that was going to really affect the event, um, that the city was potentially gonna put restrictions on the event, uh, they started discussing, can we, can we continue doing this? Uh, Darko had received information from the city that he could have the event, which was gonna be in this really big tent that would hold about 300 people there in the town square. And the city said, you can still set up this tent But instead of having 300 people, you can only have 100 people. And so Darko and Dave and I continued to communicate and pray about, do we we continue this? Do we go ahead and plan this? And Darko, after a lot of prayer, said, you know what, what if we just don't do it in the tent? What if we do it in an open stage? So their, their city square is really this long rectangular area that has cafes lining it and apartment buildings up with huge terraces around there. And so he said, let's put an open stage at the end of the corso, that rectangular area, and let's play music every night. And so that's what they did. Um, It allowed them to be out in the open, which means people didn't have to walk inside somewhere to hear something, but it also meant there weren't any restrictions on them. And so as individuals were eating out in the cafe or shopping, uh, standing even out on their terraces, they were able each evening to hear gospel music. I asked Darko, I said, about how many people do you think each evening, you know, approximately were able to hear. And he said a good three to 400 people hmm. um, were able to hear each evening. So instead of having it in a tent where somebody had to actually come inside to hear it, because of the COVID restrictions, it was out on this open stage where anybody walking past could hear. Well, in addition to the, the open stage concert each evening, they wanted to have a special message time. And again, their, their church building is too small Um, with COVID restrictions wasn't able to house people to come in for the message, the gospel message. And so Darko decided to do an online streaming message. And so that's what they did. Uh, Each evening they would have these stage concerts out there in the open corso. And then afterwards there would be this online message that was streamed. And I asked Darko, I said, well, about, about how many do you think were able to hear this message? Now think back, the tent was gonna hold approximately 300 people. He said all over across the country of Croatia, there were roughly 10,000 views each evening from this Mm. online streaming message. All because COVID messed everything up. I love the way Darko said it, he said, In the midst of all restrictions, God opened the door of opportunity to share the gospel like never before. In one week, we were able to plant more seeds of the good news than I have ever experienced over the last 20 years of ministry. Wow. In spite of the hopeless situation of COVID, the Lord blessed us by allowing us to have the festival in the middle of our town square. It was all His working. Hmm. None of us could have planned it, and therefore none of us could take any credit for it. All we could do was walk in dependence on him every step of the way while we watched God work. There's a great video that uh, one of the Croatian members put together that we wanted you to see. We'll show it to you now. Maybe. Maybe.
0: So awesome to see, you know, what, what God did in an area where it's it's really hardened to the gospel and the soil's really hard, that 10,000 people a night were able to hear the good news of Jesus in the midst of this season, which is just incredible. And I want you to know uh, as, as a church, you, through your giving last year, allowed things like that to happen. Mm-hmm. Our partnership To be able to to form and to be able to further that work and for the gospel to go to the ends of of the world through all these nations and through these partners and so your giving allowed that to happen allowed that to to become a reality and and in that way we get to partner with those partners is such a gift even to us and so this next year one of the things that we're we're going after is we want to raise a million dollars to be able to go towards our partners here and around the world and so one of the things that we need everybody to be a part of that for each of, each of you to, st- to step into that in our global offering. In your mailbox, you will have received, uh, maybe already or will receive uh, this global magazine. And so one of the things I want to talk through is a little bit, in this magazine, there's articles and, and just ways for you to get to know our partners a little better, how you can pray for our partners, uh, how you can join in on that in and, and all these different ways. It's for all ages. It's for parents to be able to walk with their kids through this, for students to be able to engage in this way. And we want children, students, uh, adults to be able to give to global offerings. So, children to be able to give and, and to write down how much they're going to they're going to give and say less under my tree equals more for the world. And then to be able to get a response from a global uh, partner banking your child personally uh, afterwards, which is which is a really cool thing. We want you to engage this. We want you to walk through this. And then at the end of the magazine, you'll actually see. Uh, how you can give, how you can join uh, what God is doing around the world through your giving. And so there's three ways to give. Uh, You can give online at Fellowship Global Christmas. Uh, You can text the word global to any dollar amount to 615-645-2565, or you can put your check in an envelope uh, and enclose that, and it's enclosed in your magazine. And those are the ways that you can come alongside and partner. And one of the things I just want to say is, you know, I, I know in this season... Any any gift is always an act of faith and trust in in who our trust is in our provision. And I know this season for some of you of job transition or or finances being being tight. I, I know what it, what it means to say less under my tree and more for the world. And I just want us all, as a as a body of believers, to say. Okay, what can we give, whether it's a little or whether God has blessed us abundantly? How can we give, how can we join in what God is doing around the world to see the gospel uh, go around the world to make disciples around the world? So that's what we're we're calling to, raise a million dollars to support the work, continue the work of our partners without our giving um, their work. is is much less. And and we have an opportunity to give resources that God has given us to further the work that he has given to them. What a gift that we get to to join alongside that. And so those are the three different ways that you can give. And hopefully you enjoy uh, the Global Magazine and get to know uh, our partners better and to be able to pray for them as well. We want to conclude um, this service just as a a way to uh, commission you, you all, in living out the Great Commission. So we'd love for you all to stand up uh, as we do so, I want to pray for you guys where God has placed you, uh, in, especially in this season. And I was, I was looking back over this, week, this past week, and in verse 20 of Matthew, it's interesting what the, the phrase there that Jesus reminds us that he will be with us. That he will be with us always to the end of the age. And that's the same phrase of Emmanuel that is kicking off Matthew of what we'd normally read in the Christmas season that Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus uses that same phrase in the Great Commission that he is Emmanuel, he is with us always. And so as, I, as we pray for you and, and commission you where God has placed you, um, know that it, God is with you always. So let's pray uh, as we, we pray for the different places where you live, work and play. Father, I pray for your people where they live, that they would be witnesses to your grace and love to those in their household first, showing one another what it means to serve and to build up and to care for one another as you have cared for us. For those who are parents, for those who stay at home with their young children, would you give them grace to endure, to see their purpose in discipling their children. For our neighbors, those you have placed around us. First, Father, that we would be motivated and compelled and empowered by your Spirit to know our neighbors, to take steps to know their names, their stories, their needs. Would you help us see the brokenness and the needs in our own lives so that we may see the brokenness and needs in the lives of those around us and have great compassion, empathy, care, and action. Holy Spirit, embolden us To share the good news of your son Jesus. Especially in this time of uncertainty and fear, would you help us bring hope that you are the sovereign who holds it all together? For those of us who have jobs right now and work, would you give us awareness for how you have gifted us? The ability to bring great value to the world and bring about flourishing to others. Help us see that we can serve and contribute and move forward work with integrity and honor. Would you give us eyes to see our coworkers and the mission field you have given us? Help us to be wise, making the most of every opportunity. Father, I pray for students in this room and online that they would not grow weary in this season, but would learn and grow and mature in these days to see daily their identity, their true identity in you and fill them with a desire for your presence that as they find life in you, Jesus, they would lead others to life in you.
1: Father, we also pray for our local partners. Uh, Lord, you know that our desire is to serve them because of our love for you. And so please give us wisdom, give us discernment, Lord, I also pray that you also give us courage that as we are surrounded by individuals that um, could need some help or maybe there's a nudging in our heart or in our soul to step out and be a part of something one of these organizations is doing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Lord, give us courage to, to step into the uncomfortable that might be there because we don't know or understand completely the background of that individual Lord, we know that in relationship we get, to, we get to see lives that are changed and we know that that happens within ourselves as well. Lord, I pray for our global partners. Um, as, as was mentioned, it's, it's not always easy soil. As Eric said, some, some areas around the world are actually quite hard and it takes time. And so I pray that you would, would give our partners endurance uh, surround them with individuals that can walk with them lord and let us be be part of that encouragement whether it is reminding them that we're praying for them or the knowledge that funds that have been given here are helping their ministry or, or hopefully in the future it's going uh, lord let us be the wind in their cells as they serve their community Father, yes. father thank you Again, that you allow us to be on journey with you. That these are all areas that you've already been working and are going to continue to work. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of that transformation that happens. That happens because of you. Lord, we love you and we are so grateful for your love. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen.
0: Amen, amen. Go and we'll see you next week and remember that he is with you.